I, uh, I, I, I want to commend again uh, Miko. I, man, just knowing that kid from the time he was in junior high and seeing what God has done in his life and who he is now. I love Miko and Alyssa and the way they lead us into worship. But last week, Miko preached a message on maturity, and it was almost as good as me. No, I mean, he knocked it out of the park. He just had such great specifics. And uh, we were talking about it the week before at men's group, and uh, the Lord had put on my heart a message basically on maturity. And then Miko uh, said, well, I'm preaching before you are, so too bad. And so he, he got to steal my message and all the good input from the guys from the men's group, which, by the way, that is my, my brain trust. I pick their brains, and then I never give them credit. All of the good things they say, the wisdom that they have, I share it generously with you, and I take all the credit for myself. That's ministry. I'm kidding. I'm kid- yeah, I have to be careful with sarcasm, especially when we have first-time visitors, because they may think there's something wrong with him. And there may be, but, but God is helping me. So Miko did a great job on his message with maturity. And so I uh, want to stay sort of in that vein, but then add something uh, additional to it. Uh, for, so I want to start out with just asking you the question, because it's become more and more clear to me over the years. What is maturity for a genuine Christian? For a believer in Jesus, someone who knows him and is walking with him, if you want to boil it down to the simplest word possible, true Christian maturity is Christ-likeness. It's you're becoming like Jesus. You're letting Jesus get you to think the way he thinks and feel the way he feels and do the things he does, and and that's it. And so uh, I, I love the fact that... Uh, the whole purpose of the ministry of the church, the, the five-fold ministry is for Ephesians 4.17, that we all come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the gift that you and I are to each other. And by the way, this is a side note. I, I thought this is interesting. Um, how many of you really were able to enter into worship this morning? Were you able to just focus your heart on the Lord and to just sense his presence and I heard one time when you really have a sense of worship, when your heart is, you're not just listening to worship, but you start becoming worship, where it's like, God, I want to give you everything. God, you're so amazing. Jesus, I love you so much. When you're in that place of surrender, the question is, what is the next impulse that you have? What is the very next thing you do when you're in an atmosphere of worship? And it might be a really good indicator for what your spiritual gifting is. So I won't make you guess. You know what mine is? When I'm really in a great place with God, it's, it's, it's almost challenging. It's hard sometimes. I have to go find somebody and give them a hug, or I'm afraid I might explode. You know, it really. And so when you wonder, why is this guy walking around hugging all of us when we come into the church? I can't help it. When I feel the love of God, it has got to come out, and that's more of a pastor-shepherd thing. And there are people, maybe this is you, when you're in an atmosphere of worship, you just think, oh, God's word is incredible, the wisdom and the truth. How could I teach that? How could I share that with my kids? How could somebody really learn to know who God is because of his word? Well, dude, you're a teacher. Get over it. Or if it's like, wait, oh, this is amazing. Somebody else has to be able to experience the presence of God. They need to know him. I've got to tell somebody. Come on, you're an evangelist, right? 
And what if you just think, wait, this person needs change in their life. They need a breakthrough. They need to really know who God is. I want to speak truth into their life so they get set free. What do you think that gift is? You're a prophet. And what if you're like, I just want to see a community really working. I want to see people serving each other with excellence and meeting a need in this neighborhood and honoring each other and working together in unity. And what is that? That's apostolic. She's the one going out in the neighborhood and and having people come along with her and kind of setting that tone. So what do you want to do when you're in an atmosphere of worship? It's it's part of how we begin to know how to grow and to become more like him in whatever area and burden he's put on our hearts. And so that fivefold ministry exists for us to come into Christ likeness together. And so my question today, that's different than Miko's message and better. You know, I really don't. I did that during all. I didn't hold it long enough. I keep forgetting I have the power of the wireless mic. Thank you, Lori. Watch out now. I'm going to turn into a man with big hand gestures. So one of the phrases of my life that it seems to be kind of true is I'll ask the question, why would you do something small when you can do something big? So I need my hands to be able to gesture that way. So the question of how do we get to Christ-likeness, um, you know, what are the things we engage ourselves with to continue to grow and to become more like him? I've got a little bit of ringing, so I saw Miko run out of the room, so I either offended him or he's going up there to, he's going up there to turn me down. Thank you, Miko. You're my hero. Oh. <laughs> so for me, how do we become more like him? And the simplest thing I can share with you is uh, from my hero, actually. And I've been obsessed maybe for two or three years, and uh, you know, uh, maybe you're getting tired of hearing it, but there's an old Russian proverb that repetition is the mother of education. So uh, I repeat myself sometimes, and often, sometimes I forgot I told you, but often it's intentional too. And one of those areas I've been so focused on is 1 Samuel 30 and the story of King David. And David is facing a major crisis in his ministry. And and he reveals his maturity. He reveals his heart under pressure. And it says there that David strengthened himself in the Lord. Okay, stop. The fact that you're sitting here today already means you're a leader in your life. That you are getting information and understanding about a mighty God who loves all, who is present on the earth, who wants everybody to get their breakthrough, everybody to operate under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and walking in the fruit of the Spirit. So you're already a leader, and if you're a leader and you don't know how, in a time of crisis or hurt or confusion, how to strengthen yourself in God, how to get into his presence, how to have him move the the mental blocks that you have in your life or the emotional blocks that you have in your life. You're not going to make it if you don't know how in a time of crisis. But then the next part of the formula is even better. David strengthened himself and then he inquired of the Lord. He knew first how to turn his question and his heart to God and ask, 
What are you doing in this situation? What do you have for me in this situation? Now, many of us, myself included, often feel like, yeah, but if I ask, I'm not going to get an answer. Or I don't hear from the Lord the way other people do. I know I'm not even going to ask. I think if we are all being honest, we'd all raise our hands. I have a doubt, an insecurity. If I ask God that he's going to show me. And that's what we have to get over. That's what we need to challenge. Because he made everything available and possible for us to strengthen ourselves in him, inquire of him, and then hear. And so the formula later on in 2 Samuel, in all of the work that David did, all of the kingdom that he took back for God, the cycle repeats again and again. David inquired of the Lord. The Lord spoke. David obeyed. That's another, God can speak to you. And what if you choose to either conveniently say, that's the devil. That's my own thought. If God speaks to you and you don't know that it's him and you don't respond, then the fruit, the outcome he wants can't happen. Is that pretty simple, right? But with David, he inquired, the Lord spoke. And by the way, often, I hope this may be in your life too. I hope it's not just me. You know, God's thoughts aren't like our thoughts. So when the Lord speaks, it often takes me off guard. It's different than the way I think or the way I speak. And so in one case, he's talking about, you know, am I supposed to go up against this enemy? And the Lord says, yes, but don't approach him from the front. You come from behind and you wait until this situation happens. And here's the key, David. Okay. David obeyed the Lord in an instruction that didn't make a lot of sense. What, what about Joshua going across the Jordan to Jericho? And God says, oh yeah, no, they're a fortified city. They are mightier than you probably are. Why don't you just march around the city and blow trumpets for seven days? Great strategy, God! I get it! I wouldn't have had a clue. But if you know it's his voice and you obey, then the purposes of God are accomplished in your life, right? So, um, I'm trying to stay very, very focused <coughs> on this. I, I love something Gloria told me, um, and I hope I get the... Oh, there you are. What? Wow, I was blinded to you for just a moment there. It's like, she must be... She, anyway, um, she, Gloria said this again to me yesterday. Tell me if I'm wrong. But the Lord told you, I hate the opinions of man. Is that right? I hate... The, Eunice leans forward. I hate, I hate the opinions of man. That sounds harsh. Would God really say that? Do you know why? Because our opinions aren't as good as his opinions. Our ideas aren't as good as his thoughts. And by the way, if we just step out in our own ideas and our own thoughts and our own opinions, then how can he possibly breathe on that and bless that? All we're going to do is walk according to the confusion and the chaos of our own random thinking. And he's got something so, so much better. Oh, I've, I've been confronted with that over and over again lately. I, uh, I really love common sense. I love being rational. And so often when I'm thinking about a challenge and this good idea comes into my mind, my first impulse is, that's great, I'm going to do that. And I often forget 
to ask, Lord, was that idea from you? Or was that just a really good Charlie idea? Because I've seen enough really good Charlie ideas to crash and burn that I think I know better. But my fundamental assumption has to change that in the circumstance, I can inquire of the Lord, I can hear from the Lord, I can obey the Lord, and I can see victory in the Lord. And that's the challenge I'm putting before all of us this morning. It's meant to be a way of life. I'm reading through the Bible right now, and this morning's reading, I didn't do this on purpose. It's, it's uncanny how often the thing I'm reading today applies to a circumstance. It's like, God, you are freaking me out. You are the God of coincidences, and it's not a coincidence. A coincidence is defined as a time when God acts anonymously. He doesn't prepare you. He doesn't necessarily take credit, but he's always moving, always speaking in all of our lives. And so this morning, I'm reading out of the book of Acts, and it touched on the very theme of what I'm speaking about today, so I just wanted to read it, Acts 14.3. Uh, it starts, therefore. So when you're reading the Word of God, and any time a verse starts with therefore, what does that tell you? It's responding to something previously. He's drawing a conclusion from something he had just said. So before this verse, Paul and Barnabas, they go to uh, Antioch, and they're boldly preaching the message in opposition develops against them, and there's a threat of them being stoned. So then what, they go, they, they go to uh, Iconium. They go to another city and are preaching in the synagogues, and many people are getting saved. And uh, so it says, therefore, they spent a long time there in Iconium, speaking boldly, but this is the phrase, with reliance upon the Lord. How often in the things you do are you knowingly doing it in a sense of, Lord, I'm relying on you. Lord, I'm responding to you. Lord, I need to hear from you. Lord, I only want to represent you. I want you to get all of the glory. Paul and Barnabas knew if they're declaring the gospel in a hostile place where there's opposition, they didn't need good ideas. They needed God ideas. They needed him with them in what they were doing. And he's more than happy to back up his sons and daughters if they're willing to speak on his behalf, from his behalf. In fact, the verse continues on. They're speaking with reliance upon the Lord who was testifying to the word of his grace, granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. If you're preaching the gospel, and you're really preaching it, and you're relying on the Lord, he is the backer-upper of you. People are going to have an encounter with him and not just you. And in a stunning way, he doesn't mind showing off through you if your heart is in that right place. Isn't that incredible? But how can you be relying on him if you're not hearing from him? Right? It's a pretty simple but incredibly powerful formula. And so here I want to challenge you. I want to give you one of the most frustrating verses in the Bible for me personally. And it's irritating. So brace yourselves. Get ready for the word of God. Proverbs 26, 4 and 5 can really be a confusing verse, but it speaks right to what we're talking about. It says, answer not a fool 
according to his folly unless you be like him yourself. If you're trying to win arguments with people who are just stubborn and foolish and you're trying to talk them out of foolishness, they're just going to misunderstand and you're going to become like them. You're going to, maybe you're going to get angry because they're getting angry and you're going to start acting foolishly too. So it's a warning. You know, don't just go confront anybody who's an angry person because why don't you just go grab the ears of a rabid dog? You're going to get bit. Sounds like good advice. This is a proverb, right? It's a, a saying of wisdom. What's the next verse say? Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Hold it! Verse 4, don't answer a fool according. Verse 5, answer a fool. Well, God, which is it? I want a rule of thumb. I just want a guideline. Do I or don't I? What's the answer to this verse? Sometimes you answer a fool according to his folly. Other times you don't answer. And that means you have to ask him first. What are you doing in this situation? We're not meant to live by rules. We don't live just by doctrine. We don't live just by principles. We live by relationship. And in that relationship, we ask him, God, what do you want me to do with this fool? I'll slap him or I'll kiss him. Whatever you want. Because you call it in my life. I'm not in charge anymore. I died. Sanctification is the fancy word for maturity, growing to be more like Jesus. And there's two sides to sanctification if you're really going to embrace it. One of them is you have to die. There's the death side of sanctification where you die to yourself, you die to your own ideas, you die to your own best interests, you die to common sense. You even die to what seems reasonable. But the other side of sanctification is you live with the empowerment to not just try to be like Jesus, but he empowers you to have his life come out of you and you are like Jesus. He takes away and forgives your sin but then it doesn't end there. Then he restores back to you his righteousness, his ways of loving, thinking, and doing. It's a gift. But how can you have the life if you haven't already acknowledged the need and your reliance upon him to die to your own way of doing things? This is a good word. I, I'm preaching a lot better than you're amening. I just want to point that out again, but I, I'm secure enough. I'm okay. So... I know I'm throwing a lot of word at you, and I, I'm not doing it on purpose, but uh, a key verse when it comes to knowing whether you're supposed to answer that fool or not comes out of John 10, 27. And Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. Do a quick heart check for me right now. Do you believe, if you're a believer in Jesus, you've given your life to him, he has saved you, he has filled you, he's forgiven you, if you're walking with Jesus right now, when I say, my sheep hear my voice, what is your next reaction? Not all the time. Not really. That's arrogant. I don't really hear from God the way you know, a prophet does. I don't hear from God the way you know, Billy Graham did. Uh, I just, I, I, anybody, can you relate? You question how well you hear from the Lord? And Jesus flat out says, it. no, 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 no. You do hear my voice. The problem is, I've talked to people before and we'll be talking on this subject and they'll go, oh, I never hear from God. And then the very next story, well, I was talking with this person and all of a sudden, I just started to say these things. It's like, where do you think that came from? God is speaking to you and many times you don't know it. 
you haven't really acknowledged it. You haven't learned how to confirm, oh my gosh, that was a God idea. You know, that impulse that I had, the promptings of the Spirit, those spontaneous thoughts, we have to learn to discern when are they God and when are they us. And for me, part of the greatest tragedy is this, when, when you, oh, how do I want to say this? Hmm. Huh. Hmm, well, oh, that's it, okay. Um, he gives us all many thoughts, many words, all the time, I believe that. But if we don't know it's him, if we haven't confirmed it's him, then we can't respond in faith and obedience. We're just randomly doing things. And so it's different when you know it's from him and then the faith that comes in, in that knowing, if that makes sense. And so uh, this is a really good time. Uh, Lori and I had an opportunity to uh, come up, and I'll let you introduce it. I know you've been thinking. You don't need to put your mask on for me because we snuggle. That may be a TMI, but please don't be offended that my wife and I snuggle. Yeah, so, so this is... A situation that came up in our daily life and we were trying to make a decision and we were both kind of going at it our normal way and then finally I just said Lori well for something like that don't you really need a word from the Lord yeah take it so I had somebody in my life uh, reach out to me and actually ask me to pray because they have a child in their home and they have not been able to get uh, education for that child they're moving and the old school really supported the education for that child, but the, the new school, they don't know that the new district that they're in is going to do that. So please pray. I need wisdom. I have to make a decision really soon, and I'm not sure what to do. So the, the thought that came to me as they were talking to me was, wow, I wonder if I'm supposed to come alongside. Um, many of you may know that I homeschooled all of my kids up until the two older ones were in high school. Um, and they're only needing support for, for a short time. So that was a thought that came up. And then Charlie said, well, maybe you should pray about it. <laughs> um, so I asked the Lord, Lord, should I offer my services to this couple? And the next picture I had was of me actually praying with that young person. And then he said to me, Lori, your capacity to love is what these parents would want for their child. They are looking for stability for them, and they want the best, and you are it. Mm. And then I said, well, is it right, or is it your will that I do this for them? Is it the best use of my time? And he said, you are my gift to them. So I did call them, and I let them know what I heard. Um, and it's on them now to decide what they want, but that's what I heard from the Lord. Isn't that amazing? I mean, come on. It may be the simplicity or the practicality of it will you know, have you miss something. But if we just said yes, and she didn't have that word, Lori, you're the best, then we would just do it and we could be double-minded. We could do it with doubt. But when you get a word from the Lord, now you're responding in faith, you're responding in obedience, and I believe you see the purposes of God, of heaven actually touch earth, concerning that situation and by the way 
anybody notice the tone? Was the Lord harsh? Was he chastising or rebuking her? Although he does discipline his kids, the tone of that is just so loving. It's so sweet. It's so honoring. By the way, that's one way you confirm it really is a word or a thought from God because he's so respectful and loving in the way he speaks. It's stunning to me. He's never in 40 years been rude to me. I'm waiting, and I'm waiting for him to get really upset and just rip me a new one because I don't like myself a lot of times, but he's kind. So I, I love that. Thank you for, for sharing. And by the way, because this has been more in the forefront of my mind and my only purpose today, in fact, Holy Spirit, I ask right now that this not just be a passive word, but if this is from you, just like Jesus, let the, this word become spirit and life to everyone who hears it, God, that we can begin to approach decisions in our daily life in a practical way of laying them before you, hearing your voice and responding as sons and daughters. I want that more than anything else. So if you have faith to receive that, then just receive it right now that you can have that heart change. It was not the first thought in her mind or my mind to ask the Lord if she was supposed to homeschool a kid. And so because I've been thinking about this more, last this week I was um, talking to someone I've been counseling now for three or four years. They're doing amazing and it's incredible. And they have this opportunity for a job and they were all stressed out. And, but there's this factor and there's that factor and am I supposed to do it? And what if they don't hire me? And hop, 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 hop. You guys ever get stressed out by your circumstances? And because of Lori, because of this thought, I went, well, have you asked God? Why don't you ask God for a word? And she, she's like, really? I'm like, sure, you can do it. By the way, you can do it too. So guess what? I get a call the next morning. Charlie, I prayed. I asked God if I was supposed to get this job. And, but I, I didn't ask that way. I, I just said, you know, uh, Lord, uh, I guess she said, uh, oh, what she said was, if I'm supposed to get the job, then you need to confirm with a sign. Now, you can't always do that. You know, but Lord, do something to make it really clear that this is what you want. And that's, so that's how the way she set up her prayer. And so she didn't hear from the Lord directly. But guys, that day, she got a call. She had heard about the job. But someone from the company called her and said, hey, we think you're supposed to apply for this job. Now, come on. I mean, that's a pretty good sign. And, and you know, and, and plus now, if she gets the job, Oh my gosh, I asked the Lord to confirm. He confirmed. Now she can do that job wholeheartedly with faith. Isn't that incredible? So here's what I want to challenge you with, and we'll be wrapping up. This is my first ending out of four. Um, I, I had my own encounter like that, and um, as I told you, I've been reading through the Bible, the Old Testament, and the New Testament, and by the way, if you really want to get a, a vibrant, shiny walk with God, um, read the book of John. If you haven't been in the Word for a while, just start there. The life of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus to his disciples, the things that he taught, his priestly prayer in John 17. I mean, it'll rock you, but it'll also convict you. And so I'm just being a good boy, minding my own business, in my office, doing my daily reading, and I'm reading John 20, 19, and after the resurrection, Jesus is talking to his disciples, like you're his disciples. And uh, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the door being locked 
where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Remember, they're in a room now fearing that they could be persecuted, something's going to happen. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And then he said this. He showed them his hands, his side, and the disciples were glad, and they saw the Lord. And then Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them, and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And then he said, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold the sins of any, it is withheld. So I'm not theologically going to get into this. Jesus isn't saying that you individually have the power to forgive sin because only God can do that. And Jesus isn't saying that if you retain or withhold sin, uh, sin from somebody, it's withheld. They can't find forgiveness from God. He's not saying that. We can talk about that later. But that isn't what matters. I read that verse and I go, if you've retained the sins against any. And guys, the Holy Spirit right away brought into my mind faces of people who have traumatically hurt my children and right away i just thought lord i haven't forgiven them now it's one thing if you hurt me i have to forgive you i'll do everything i can it's going to be a journey it's going to be layers in an onion i'm going to forgive i'm going to forgive again i'm going to bless you you know but i i do that because i believe it's right but you hurt my kids and now i feel justified in withholding my full forgiveness from you. I don't want anything to do with you. I don't think about you. I don't want the best for you. I committed psychological murder to some people in my life. And this verse provoked that in me. Hey, by the way, you're retaining these sins. And, and I just, I, I put the book down. I said, God, you're right. I'm so sorry. I don't know how to forgive people who hurt my kids, but I choose to forgive them. Uh, whatever you need me to do, God, I bless them. I want the best for their life. I, I want a relationship with them if it's possible. I don't want to just, you know, pretend they never existed. I don't want bad things for them. Father, forgive me. I mean, I just poured my heart out. Very simple. And I just felt this tremendous weight lift off of me. But you know the sweetest thing? As I just came into agreement with his heart for me to forgive, I felt this presence and this joy of just being in agreement with him and back in union with him concerning those areas and then continuing my devotional life i was reading something by thomas keating and get this contemplative prayer is just like reading the word and listening for god's voice wanting him to speak into your life letting the word reveal things in you and Thomas Keating said, contemplative prayer is a process of inner purification leading, if we consent, to divine union. So listen to that again. There are three parts. Waiting on the Lord, he, reading his word, having an encounter with God is a process of purification. What does that mean? When you read the word and the Lord says, by the way, you haven't forgiven this person, he wants your heart to become clean. He wants your heart to be purified. He wants your heart to be more like his, right? And then Keating said, if we consent, it's our option. Every time the Holy Spirit speaks into your life, you can reject it or you can accept it. And if you accept it, you're going to receive life. 
But the thing I had never thought of before, what is Christian maturity? Being Christ-likeness, you're reading the word, you see that I don't love the way you love, I don't forgive my enemies the way you forgive. Lord, I'm not in alignment, I'm not in agreement, but you're my Lord, you're going to empower me for change. Lord, I say yes, and now all of a sudden you become more like him in one more area, one more way of thinking, and divine union occurs. And you become an even more mature son or daughter. Really? Cool. So, sorry it's not convicting the rest of you, but I just zapped her. So, that, that makes me happy because she's going to be an even better and more amazing person. So, you know, I've gone a little bit over, so I, I, I do apologize for that. So, I'm going to uh, not do the last part of what I had to share. But what I want to say now is if this message stirred in you and you want to respond and you want to understand how to hear his voice, how to continue to grow, how to become more like him, that is what the weekend intensive is about. So August 14th, we'll have it up on the website. You can sign up there. Or if you want to reserve a place, you can email me at charlie at abidingplace.us. But guys, Saturday the 14th at 9 o'clock to 1130, we're pressing into God's presence and I'm going to teach the things that I have learned over the years about how to really approach the word of God and receive revelation from the Holy Spirit, have him convict your heart, purify your life, become more like him. And we're going to talk about how to hear his voice in your own life personally and ask like, well, what about this situation? What about this job, God? We're, and guys, it's not a classroom class. This is going to be an intensive. So we're going to be doing the work. We're going to be sharing what we hear. If you don't want to do the work, don't show up because it's going to be real and it's going to be... Um, impacting and so i actually had this great phrase as i was preparing this message and i'll end with this because the class is actually called hearing god's voice in word and prayer and uh <laughs> okay this part kills me so i am now looking for the sound of his voice in word and in prayer but i'm looking for the sound of his voice in me as well. I want the sound of his voice to come out of what I do. I know some of you who've known me for a while think I'm in love with the sound of my own voice. But you know what I realized this morning? I'm in love with the sound of his voice in me. When I hear his voice speaking encouragement, hope, direction, comfort into somebody else's life, I'm fulfilling my destiny. I'm fulfilling my greatest purpose on earth is letting Christ be in me. He's my hope of glory. And so I more and more want to see in me, and I want to see in you, the sound of the voice of God in you. And so that's what we're focused on for that weekend intensive, and you're all invited, everyone online. Um, please feel free to come. It's free, and we're going to spoil you rotten. So I love you all so much. I'm amazed watching God work in all of our lives and his goodness expressed through all of us. And so I love the sound of his voice in you. And I'm actively listening for it. So Father, we thank you today for your presence. We thank you that you're committed to our maturity, to making us more like your son, to learn to serve, to learn to love, to learn to be in relationship with you and others. We just delight Holy Spirit, in how awesome you are as a teacher, a counselor, a comforter, and a guide. So even now, I just speak a blessing upon the, our time together on August 14th that we're not just going to talk about stuff, but we're going to learn how to hear and respond to your voice. 
And Lord, I just release a warrior spirit that we're going to be like King David when we leave that place, God. We're going to know how to inquire of you. We're going to be wanting to obey. And God, we want to see your purposes accomplished in all of our lives. We thank you for all of this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful Sunday.